Welcome to Radar Contact by Fox ATM, the podcast for the air traffic management community, bringing global ATM on your radar. You're identified. Welcome to one more episode of Radar Contact. Today, we will discuss a hot topic in air traffic management, which is uh, virtual centers. And for that, my guest is Anna von Grote, who is the Director General of Eurokai, the organization producing standards. Anna, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for the invitation, Vincent. So before we go into virtual centers, can you please uh, introduce yourself for the audience, explain where you come from, what was your career path so far and, and the like? Sure. I, I joined Eurokai in, in 2011 originally as a technical program manager. Then as the organization grew, took on responsibility as director technical program and was appointed director general of Eurokai last year in February. So this is a uh, Eureka is a great place to work. As, as you can see, I've been here for over, over 10 years already and a few more to go, hopefully, uh, with, 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 with the members, the, the, the experts. Uh, it's, it's great to work in the groups and we have such an effective team in Paris and it's, it's really an honor to lead it. Good. Um, I'd like to start with a very naive question. I started working in ATM as an engineer myself 22 something years ago. And basically, the setup was we had a technical room where all the computers were downstairs. And upstairs, we had um, the control center. And basically, you have the computers on one side, the controller on another side. Um, what is different between this setup and a virtual center? Good question. Not so naive, but a but, but very good question. The virtual center um, really refers to the decoupling uh, of the air traffic management data services, such as flight data, surveillance, and weather information from the physical controller working position. So just taking it uh, a step further from, from what you've, you've experienced with the, with the data center in the basement and the controller sitting above it. But for example, the flight data and surveillance processing and communication systems could be hosted in a data center with the controller working positions located in a separate remote operation center with network connectivity between the between the two. Um, and, and the virtual center really brings uh, a lot more integration. It brings the possibility for the air traffic services to be able to relocate from one operation center to another very quickly, where different operation centers have a standardized connectivity to the data center that would that would be supplying the, uh, the systems and data needed to deliver the service. All with the aim to, to really deliver greater flexibility when it comes to organizing air traffic control operations. And uh, in doing so, a lot more um, seamless, uh, cost-efficient service provisions to the airlines and other airspace users. And really, this is this is something that um, that's been led by Cesar uh, through the through the different projects that that they have um, they have uh, running. They've uh, uh, they've established a lot of these uh, ground uh, groundwork, and, uh, and and taking it further is is, is something moving to this more integration, more uh, more integrated approach. Uh, is, is really the, the aim here and the added value. Could that also mean that in terms of organization, we could have um, what some called ADSP, so um, data service providers, and ANSP would focus on providing the service and could say, okay, for this year, I for my flight plan service, I will use that company. For uh, radio, I will use that other company and even really split the organizations as well. It could mean indeed um, uh, decoupling uh, the the service provision from the actual ANSP uh, um, tra uh, air traffic service provision. Nevertheless, uh, I think the, um, the 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 idea is that uh, there there will still be a, a very 
uh, robust or the, the need for a very robust, resilient infrastructure and, and service provision in terms of quality, integrity, et cetera, that, that, that will need to be assured so, um, so, so that we have um, the, the, the level of service that, that we need. And could that mean pushing the game to the extreme that air traffic controller could start working from home at some point or don't you see that coming? Although with COVID, we've all worked from home a little bit. I don't see this is uh, happening for, for air traffic controllers. And I don't think that this is in the plans of any of the, of the CESAR projects or, or uh, initial in implementations that we see. The air traffic service still needs to be delivered from a facility with a robust infrastructure, such as uninterruptible power supplies, um, uh, highly reliable and secure network, Uh, physical securities for access controls uh, to the operations area. So I don't think sitting at home with my laptop and headset, with my internet connection being what it is, uh, I could I could uh, um, have the same level of, of of robustness that that would be needed, or even some specialized equipment which is just not not as movable as just a laptop. Um, I, I don't think we'd have the same level of robustness. So I don't think. Home offices in the in the plans for air traffic controllers anytime soon. No? Yeah, completely agree on that. Also looking at um, human factors and, and different things and training and basically that cause needs to be to be still on site, but maybe not always on the same site. And that would be that would be the exactly. point. Exactly, and 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 that is the point really. Uh, you, you need the facility, but but you don't need to be at the same facility the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. What other benefits do you see in, in virtual centers? Essentially, really, the flexibility, the scalability, the resilience part. A virtual center provides a level of flexible configuration of operational systems, which is not possible with the ATM infrastructure of today, which is more hardwired, if we can say so. Um, data services can be located across different locations, potentially even in different countries potentially supporting multiple operation centers, um, which, which, brings, uh, which brings improvements also in terms of system redundancy um, in case of a facility being uh, unavailable for, for any reason uh, for, for a certain amount of time. Um, the services can be moved to another location relatively easily. Um, though there's, of course, a lot of complexity involved with that, so um, on, on many, many different levels. But, but nevertheless, the, the, the option would be there. Um, the other benefit, uh, I guess, is cost efficiency uh, through rationalization and systems uh, uh, of services, um, standardization, uh, workload balancing across centers, um, for example, consolidating operations overnight or times of low traffic, uh, improved harmonization and information sharing across across boundaries. So, so, so there's a lot of benefits in, 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 this, uh, um, in this respect, which I see. But, but I think there's also still a lot of obstacles. Um, we're, we're not quite there yet. Um, uh, on the technology side, Uh, the ANSPs will ultimately need to migrate uh, from legacy systems to new ATM systems, which can support those virtual center operations. Um, uh, different ANSPs in Europe will be at different stages in implementation uh, uh, of, of, the, of the products and life cycles. Um, so, so the implementation would need to be synchronized or at least coordinated to gain the full benefits of, of what would be possible. But also we need to we need to learn and 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 how and how we we work together in this uh, virtual center concept. 
uh, how we share data, how we uh, provide services maybe across borders to a greater extent than, than what we see today. Uh, access to infrastructure, um, et cetera, et cetera, uh, between ANSPs and, and all stakeholders involved. And I think there's, there's also a, um, a learning curve on the on the human side on the, that, that that needs to it needs to come in and that needs to happen. Um, so and and it's it's really important that we take every every stakeholder group with us in this process. Uh, and and I think here it it really is a process of learning and of moving forward together in order to 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 reap the full benefits of what can be a virtual center implementation in the future. You mentioned walking across border a couple of times, and I think that could be one of the major obstacles. I mean, with the exception of Maastricht UAC, where you have different countries walking together, it, I mean, everything with ATC is on the edge of air defense and, and military and, and sovereignty. So do you see a trend or is every country thinking, oh, yeah, we will do a virtual center. I will run it for you. And nobody wants to give their, their airspace away. How, how do you see that coming? It's a very good question. I, I think again, it's a it's a process. It's a it's, it's a learning process, uh, and uh, uh, I think with time we we will see first implementations coming. Uh, we we already see them. You mentioned Maastricht, uh, which is a very good uh, example of where we share information cross border um, and between between several member states of the EU. Um, but but when we're clearly not there yet, it's a it's a process of uh, of moving forward together yeah now more concretely speaking uh, about euro what can you as an organization bring to the table what are you specifically working on today you might know Eurokai is the european leader for uh, industry standards in aviation and and we really um, our, our main goal is to, to build state-of-the-art standards, uh, building on the expertise of our members, um, standards that are fit for purpose to be adopted internationally, support operational development and regulatory processes, and address global aviation challenges. And I think especially this last part is important, um, especially as we look at the status of R&D in virtual center and the status of uh, industrialization implementations. There's always this sweet spot which we have to find between when do we start the standardization activity compared to when when would it be too late or too even too early to start one. So what what we did in in the case of virtual centers was we started on on a journey with a very open workshop um, which we held uh, oh, two and a half years ago in the meantime with over seventy participants in which we we exposed what the, the discussions had been in the Technical Advisory Committee and in the Council on the topic, um, and, and where we proposed a work program to the stakeholders. And we really shaped the work program together with the stakeholders to make sure that we get it right, because the standards are not written by me or by, 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 by my colleagues in the TAC, but, but really by the experts. And we want to make sure that the experts are involved from, from, from the very beginning. So, so what we did based on with, on this workshop, we created a working group, working group 122, with the aim to develop standards for virtual center services. But we didn't start right away with standards. We decided to start off with a report called Virtual Center Strategy for Standardization Phase 1. This report, in the meantime, is published as ER26 and is available at uh, our eShop for download uh, for those who are interested to read it. 
it's a really good report. I, I enjoyed reading it because it, it really provides uh, the whole context and uh, of the virtual center concept and proposes a detailed work program for, for virtual center service standardization. So why did we do it this way? Um, we need to look at the, at the current context. We need to look at um, uh, the, the status of current R&D activities, planned R&D activities, industrialization uh, activities, the regulatory environment, uh, whether there is one or not, and, and what's planned. Um, stakeholders' needs, uh, and you know, because in the end, the stakeholder, the, the standards will only be good if the if the if the people can use them, and 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 we we need to make sure that the standards we develop are relevant. So in the end, this this report uh, proposes a roadmap for um, uh, standardization, while remaining really focused on the outcomes in terms of perceived benefit or need uh, of this these standards. So, so we'll follow a phased approach with priorities um, that are being uh, discussed further in the in the report and uh, dependencies also. Um, and this report will really be the foundation of the entire work program going forward. And I can only recommend uh, each and every one of you to to have a look, have a uh, have a read through. It's a, it's a really informative piece of piece of work and a comprehensive review of the of the situation. Following that. Um, the group is now working on uh, a second deliverable, which is called a taxonomy of services for virtual centers. So this focuses really on the identification of services and inter interfaces between the various entities. Uh, we were speaking before about, you know, different entities um, having to, to share data, having to share information, and this really focuses uh, on this. Um, this will ensure that we have a common language, if you will, for the next stage of standards development, where we will direct our efforts then really more towards the performance and interoperability requirements uh, for the various elements of a virtual center. Um, we're working very closely with CESAR, with the CESAR 3 joint undertaking, um, as well as the partners uh, in, the, in the relevant CESAR projects to ensure alignment of the R&D that is currently underway with the standards development and the, the working group um, and, and, and our standardization activities that are planned. Indeed, many of the working group 122 members are currently uh, involved in the uh, CESAR R&D, uh, but I'd like to emphasize also that the working group is a lot broader than the CESAR work, um, uh, both in terms of stakeholders involved as well as in terms of geographical outreach, uh, as in the working group we have uh, stakeholders from um, all over Europe, obviously, uh, but also um, the US, Asia Pacific, etc. So, so it's a lot broader than than, than the CESAR uh, project itself. Um, so, as far as the timing of release of our standards for virtual centers, there's always a question that comes immediately afterwards. Um, we really need to ensure that we go hand in hand and, and sync this to the R&D, um, that we don't constrain the R&D phase by standards, but on the other hand, that we give to the R&D standards to build on. Uh, for, for future steps and also having the standards available when they are needed for manufacturers and customers um, to move towards uh, industrialization and widespread implementation. That's really interesting. Just want to go in one slight deeper question. One of the ANSPs that is quite advanced with virtual centers is SkyGuide in Switzerland. Um, are there an, an inspiration for you? Are there participating in the group or is there a risk that they go in a slightly different direction than the standard will be and if need to, to retrofit afterwards? 
Indeed, uh, SkyGuide is one of the of the uh, most active uh, uh, participants within this working group. They've been co-leading or leading this working group. Um, uh, Philippe Chauvoreau of SkyGuide has been the, the chair of the working group at its initiation and up until the end of the phase one feasibility study, at which point he, he retired from SkyGuide, unfortunately, um, uh, for us, but good for him. But, uh, but, but SkyGuide is still very actively involved and, and, and definitely a driver in this, in this area. Nice. So I, I think they will not diverge and the standard will be, will be in the same direction. Um, thank you for that. Now to, to close up, we have our typical two questions in, in the end. How do you see the future of virtual center and ATM, generally speaking, five years from now, but also 50 years from now to project us in a far away future? Wow, having to pull out my glass ball now. Um, the R&D that is undertaken by, by CESAR, um, uh, its members and partners is ongoing. And I think we have very promising results there um, uh, and, and, and also see early testing and implementation starting, um, which, is, which is really promising. We see several ANSPs uh, really um, moving the concept, pushing the concept further. So, so I think that within within the next five years, we'll see a lot more of this. I, I hope, I expect that we have the standards developed for the virtual center services that are needed um, to allow for that uh, initial uh, implementation, and and hopefully that we that that we can support the the process uh, moving forward. Certainly, as I said before, it it will have to be an evolution. Um, it's it's not a it's not a revolution. It won't be uh, uh, done within within a few days, uh, nor within five years. I think uh, we'll we'll still see. That we're within that process still uh, five years down the road. As for as for fifty years, uh, I, I I don't dare to make any any main or any any huge uh, steps to the future, but I think only time will tell. Um, but but uh, but I do see that that things are moving towards more virtualization, ultimately towards virtual centers, for sure. And I and I do hope that we can co contribute uh, our part through the standards and uh, and facilitate the uh, interoperability on a European and global scale. Anna, thank you very much for being our guest today. I encourage anybody who does not know much about EuroK to visit your website, uh, eurokay.net, to learn more about the organization, uh, get access to the documents, and, and so on. Thank you very much. Thank you for the invitation, Vincent. Thank you for listening to Radar Contact. Visit foxatm.com or your favorite podcast platform for more episodes. Feel free to let us know if you or someone you know would like to share a topic with the air traffic management community. Frequency change is approved.